for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 442 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have a great interview with Brian Menard from Dojo-kun Comics. He's got lots of interesting offerings that we're going to talk about, including Siamese, I Am Become Death, and Toro Tales. We talk about how those books came to be, about his company Dojo-kun Comics, and what kind of things we can expect from them in the near future. And that includes a lot of creativity and great storytelling. It's always fun to talk with indie creators because they're doing things the big companies can't do. And that's particularly true in Brian's case. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode. So let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast, Brian Menard, the, let's see, editor-in-chief and many other good things for Dojo-kun Comics. How are you doing today, Brian? Great, Wayne. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to talk with you. I think you approached me on Facebook, if I remember correctly. That's how I, I got in touch with you and all these good things, which, you know, people are doing more and more today. And I have to confess, sometimes I don't remember that there is a, uh, a way to contact me through my page instead of through my Facebook, and sometimes I forget. And some people write to me, and I don't respond for a while, and they're going, what happened? What happened? It's because I don't remember there's a, a message thing on my page as well as on my, my personal one. So if that's the case, somebody out there, I, I, I do check it a lot better now. <laughs> but anyway, to get to your stuff, let's talk about Dojo-kun comics. Uh, okay. Obviously, you're the, as a, the head writer and the editor-in-chief. Obviously, you're behind the company. Uh, talk about what this is all about. Okay, thank you. Yes, I worked for a couple other small press companies for a while and decided to strike out on my own. In addition, though, to being the lead writer, I do have several other writers that contribute stories for the company. I've worked with a, a David Whalen, who also has his own company. So it's great to collaborate with other writers and artists literally around the world. I have some I have New Zealand, Italy, Brazil, Argentina, Canada, uh, even uh, in deep Russia. I have a, a married couple that works with me. So it's great to, to meet people on, online and get them to uh, work on my creative endeavors. It's, it's a lot of fun. Now, you're talking about other writers, and obviously you mentioned artists and stuff too. How do you guys meet up? I mean, do they approach you? Do you approach them? How do you find these people? Well, it's it's in a, a variety of ways, but the one that I think is the uh, most reliable is a website a website called Zwall Z W O L. It's uh, short for Zwalinski, which is uh, the creator's last name, and it's a it's a great place for writers, artists, colorists, even just flatters to get together and collaborate and start to work together. Hmm. I never heard of that before. That's it. I'm always. That's why I ask these questions. Everybody usually says there's certain ones they always go to. You know, certain places on Facebook and other places that they run into people. But I always like it when you come something new. Maybe somebody out there listening may go, "Hey, I haven't gone there. Let me try that." Yeah, that's, it's a great collaboration site. Very, very good. Now, before we get any farther, I want to make sure people can get to your website. 
and see stuff out there because when we say Dojo Kun, we want to make sure that people know how to spell it. Why don't you spell Dojo Kun Comics? Okay, it's D O J O K U N C O M I C S dot wixsite dot com slash Dojo Kun Comics. Okay. So there's the, the, the C in there, the comics. Yeah. So that's good. So uh, when I looked at the website, it looks like you set it up back in 2017. So it's been going since then? Yes, it's been going for a few years now. We've got more than 11 titles published. We have two that are underway right now that um, it'll probably be a while before they get out, but it's great collaborating on them. Uh, one is called Deanna Hammer of the Angels, number one. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'll allude to that in a few minutes when we talk about a different title. And then um, Toro Tales number two, which is a 100-page anthology. Oh, because I got to see number one, if I'm uh, not mistaken. That's correct. Which is kind of fun. There's a lot of you – know, I've, I've got so many things that people always want to do, especially indie books. You guys are doing more anthologies these days, and it's it always fascinates me because you know the, the quote-unquote big three or whatever you want to call them, they don't do those anymore. They avoid those things like the plague, and yet – it's successful for indie folks like yourself. Uh, why get into that as a, for you? I mean, what was the what was the the lure of doing anthologies? The great thing about an anthology is you can get uh, well a number of different stories out there. You get started on them. You can collaborate with a number of different artists, colorists, and uh, letterers. And you can have all of them. Uh, it sort of gives you uh, your characters exposure. Those creative staff exposure of course they don't just get paid with exposure that's that's a different topic but um yeah it it gets you the opportunity to get these stories started and if they are successful you can then bring those stories if there's several chapters maybe into a single uh print issue or just continue with the anthology Hmm, that's so cool how many have you done so far with the anthology, there's just Toro Tales number one, and we're working on number two right now, which, as I said, is going to have far more uh, content than the first one. Okay, so that'll be good. That's something to do and something to look forward to. Uh, when did the first one come out? Uh, Toro Tales came out back in uh, February of 2018. Okay, so it's, you've been working on them for a little while. And uh, Indie Comics, you know, it's not going to be a monthly schedule. It's going to be when you can get it done and pay for it and those good things and so we all understand that now i i always get criticized because i do this last but i'm trying to do it sooner if people want to follow you and follow dojo kun comics what social media should they do well the the one that's most reliable is facebook i have a dojo kun comics facebook page um or they could just follow me personally on facebook i've got thousands of people who are friends but that's because they're related to the comic book industry Cool. Cool. Now, I, I always want to know why. Why did you call it Dojo Kun Comics? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, as a karate student for a number of years, I really found that the, the five tenets of the karate dojo are important. Even if you're not a student, they are uh, great directives toward life. And if you don't mind, I can mention what the five are. They're pretty short. Sure. Okay, the first is seek perfection of character. The next is be faithful. The third is endeavor. The fourth is respect others. And the last is avoid violent behavior. Hmm. Interesting. The interesting thing, yeah, the last one there is is interesting because, you know, it's it's karate. It teaches you to fight. Why on earth would they say avoid violent behavior? But um, the creator of the entire martial arts style 
of Shotokan Karate. His name is Jinshin Funakoshi. Mm-hmm. And he said the greatest fight ever won is the fight not begun. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because, of course, karate, is, if, if I understand it, you can tell me if I'm wrong or done. It's usually for defense. Is that true? Yes. It was mostly um, – I think it was created by farmers who were trying to defend themselves from the samurai overlords. Mm. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And that's something I think we can use today. All those principles are things we can always use today. So I don't think that's anything – unusual for us to, to explore those things so that's good so that inspired you to when you made the company to go with that that's right yes okay cool so that's very good so uh let's start talking about some of your creations in here now you are as editor-in-chief and lead writer of course you get to i imagine you mostly kind of pick and choose uh stuff to do i mean are do people come to you with stuff and then you do it do you have ideas and seek people out? Is it kind of a mixture? How do you do that? It is a little bit of a mixture. Most of it is, are my ideas. I've created this, I'll call it universe, and I can't even write fast enough to get the ideas out, but um, it's fun to do. And, and yes, you know, some people do come to me with stories. Several of the ones that uh, have been featured have been by other writers who said, hey, I'd really like you to, to put this under your banner. Would you be willing to do that? And I, I love it. So I say yes. So that's great. So I have to say, a lot of writers have great ideas in their minds. And like you, you're just saying that it's hard to get them all out there. So yeah. You've got to kind of keep track of them. And, you know, and the ones that some of them take on a life and start to move and other ones you kind of have to hold back. So that's kind of a fun to do. How do you do that? I mean, what? how do you decide when something is worth going forward? I mean, is it something that like other people get excited about? Is it something you're particularly interested in? Or Again, is it a mixture? How do you do that? I think it's mostly what I'm interested in because I'm a fan of comics for over 40 years now. Mm-hmm. I collected them for, you know, since I was seven years old. And when I decided I was going to become a, a writer for a comic book company, uh, I made a, um, a script to Marvel. But I found that they, they really don't accept input that way. They say, and this is, this is what they say on their website, you go get published, we'll find you. Yeah. yeah that's so I was like, if okay. You're, Notice the people that they hire. They hire people who are in indie comic companies. They go through, apparently, indie comic books. Uh, gosh, there's several of them. I don't want to name names. I'll forget somebody and they'll get mad. But uh, they see something and they like it. And then they say, hey, how would you like to write X-Men? How would you like to write Spider-Man? You know, that kind of stuff. And then they give them, like, a tryout and stuff like that. So you never know. I mean, this is how those things happen, and it's not a bad way to do it, especially because if you get things published and it's out there, that kind of proves you know how to handle the uh, the media. So that's a good thing. Okay, now, as far as – you sent me a couple to look at, and I'm really interested. The one that you talked to me about that you were really interested that when we talked about it, uh, you were interested in talking about I Am Become Death. Yes. <laughs> Talk to um, me about that. What's the – Give it like the, the the basic premise for what that's about. The catalyst for that one is the writer came to me. His name is Nicholas Prontka, and he wrote a prose story. It was a short story, and he asked, uh, would I be willing to adapt it to comic book form? And um, I thought, well, that that's kind of a neat approach. So uh, I did adapt it to a comic book script form, and uh, we did publish it recently. And it's set in space. And I don't want to give it away because it's such an interesting thing, but there's a twist mm-hmm. that is um, – it's unexpected, and I thought it really made it worthwhile. Yeah, well, the twist kind of comes towards the end. 
from my reading of it, the one that you're referring to. There's a big old twist at the end that's really interesting. And, you know, I honestly, when I ran it, when I came across it, I thought, ah, very smart. That was a smart twist. I can see what it was that, that uh, drew you to the story. Because I'm a sci-fi guy. I, I admit it. I, I love science fiction and stuff. And this one has a very interesting premise. It has to do with zombification on some levels shall we say and that's right we, more than that i don't want to say because uh, there's, there's people traveling through space and there's they're being threatened by this and things start to happen let's just say and they have to figure out how to deal with things especially with zombification and things like that so it's really really interesting and like, like i said that that last page is interesting is that the end of his story just for my information it's the end of the prose story but i'm taking it uh from there uh again don't want to give it away but no there will be more okay interesting because i'm going to be fascinated to see where it goes from here because it's it's interesting now we can talk a little bit about the characters talk about the doctor who's the one that uh, a lot of the story revolves around who is he the doctor, he's important to the story because a lot of them look to him as the subject matter expert on this zombification uh, virus. Um, there is some exposition in the story where he describes, you know, the the catalyst or rather what started it all and what happens to people when they get the virus. So, yeah, he, he serves as the story's narrator, basically. The other characters are sort of uh, adjunct to him. Mm-hmm. And of course, this has a lot of, uh, shall we say, impetus today with what we're going through here in the world. So I, I, it's a really interesting and timely story, shall we say. <laughs> well, you know, he came to me before all of this happened. So, yeah, it turned out to be quite timely, even though that wasn't uh, it wasn't planned. But it's very, you know, fortuitous. It's interesting how sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, they always say. <laughs> Hopefully it's both. Yeah, and this one here, that's good stuff. Because I, when I was reading it, I kept thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, they're talking about washing hands, and there's other things going on. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, this could have been, like, written today and said it was written before. And it's it's so timely. It's just amazing. I appreciate that, yes. Okay, so the first one is out, I Am Become Death. How does one get a hold of I Am Become Death? Going to the website, there is a link that you can click on, and through that, you can order a print-to-order through Amazon. And that's how you get the first one. Now, when I look at the book, there's that's not the only thing that's in the book. There's the version that, you got you sent me. There's some other stuff. That's right. There's a, a gallery of a character called Breathtaker, and a lot of artists really enjoy providing their view of Breathtaker, and I've got a lot of great... Uh, different perspectives of her. They're not just, you know, a standing pose. Some people have just a, a bust. So it's, it's, uh, it was fun to put that gallery together. It's one of the characters that appears in our miniseries called Siamese, mm-hmm. and she, her first appearance is in Siamese number two. It's, it's well, let's just say, and I always like to point this out. She has two outstanding attributes. Shall we say. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's very Power Girl-ish of her to do that, because Power Girl always did that. Jeff Johns, when he wrote Power Girl, he always, you know, he said, they always said, is, is she supposed to really look like that? And he said, yes. <laughs> that, that, that's the, the thing of her. She is supposed to have those things going. And mostly superheroic women do not uh, stand out in that way, shall we say. That's right. He, he intentionally, if I remember correctly, he intentionally increased that attribute 
each issue just slightly to find out how long it took the editor to notice. <laughs> yeah, someday I want to talk to Mr. Johns. And that's one of the subjects I want to talk with him about because I just find that to be fascinating. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fun. <laughs> someday, if I ever could. I've been trying to talk to him for years, but he's on TV now, and I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to talk to him. But uh, he does. he's written a lot of really good stories. Some of my favorites are, are his. As far as Breathtaker goes, and so it's, which is going. This is going to dovetail right into the other book uh, that you sent me, which is called Siamese. Well, before we leave this book, you said you're working on the second one. Do you have a goal of when you'd like to have the second part of I Am Become Death come out? Oh, um, that will probably become part of one of the anthology books. I'm I'm scheduling that for Toro Tales number three. Oh, you are okay. So that's how it's going to work. But if so I'm trying to wonder if you get the first chapter, you know, uh, let's let's say you get the Toro Tales, you have to order the first chapter separately, right? Yes, you would. Okay. And the thing is, it could be standalone. You've read I Am Become Death. It serves as its own um, individual story, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, without the second chapter, it would still be a, a good read. See, I'm dying to see where you're going to go with this. I'm going to be fascinated to see what you do. And, and again, I cannot spoil. There's a big surprise at the end and, and <laughs> right. I cannot spoil that so what we've got to see you know where things are going to go from here I just going to find that really interesting I'd laugh if they if well I can't say anything more if I say anything more I'll spoil it it's, it's one of those things that if, if I that anything that I say is going to going to reveal and I want people to get that same experience that I got reading it I think that's an important thing so okay so this is I am become death and I like the title too by the way very literate title for that isn't that – I'm trying to remember where that came from. That comes from Oppenheimer, one of the creators of the atomic bomb. So I, I looked it up, too, to see if it was grammatically correct, and it is very unusual. It is grammatically correct. It sort of equates to things like saying he is risen, mm-hmm. if, you, if you will, you know, to say he is an, an adjective. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the case in, in this title as well. Cool. Okay, very good. Now, was that the title of the prose story, or was that something that you came up with after he gave that to you? That is the title of the prose story, yep. Very cool. Okay, so all that works together real nicely. So, okay, very good. So, let's move on to a very different book. I mean, 180 degrees different from this book is Siamese, which I got a chance to read. Why don't you talk about Siamese and, and what this is about? Siamese is about twin acrobatics. They are they're professionals, both of them. One's an architect, one's an artist. She's a sculptor. Um, the two of them have acrobatic abilities, and the storyline is uh, superheroism. Through this first four issues, it's a four-issue miniseries, I introduce a lot of the characters who will eventually become a team. Um, the, the Siamese four-issue miniseries will go right into the four-issue miniseries called Deanna Hammer of the Angels. And then when that one's complete, the team will be formed and it will be Trident's new alliance, number one. So I've got, I've got lots of plans. Uh, we're, we're underway. So in Siamese, I introduce characters like Breathtaker, Brick House, Countryman, and Psionica, for example. Mm-hmm. I like the winged one. What's the name of the guy with the wings? The flying guy guy with the wings there's uh, a uh, oh. I there's a, remember when the time came i wouldn't remember what it was it, it, there's a guy with like it looks like he's got wings uh he's got like uh when he's like it's like spider-man oh, things under one of the one of the bad guys with wings that's yeah. continental jet yes, yes. He's, 
elitist group. Um, they're all uh, super villainous CEOs who come together and they are trying to obfuscate their actual reason for being together by committing crimes. But what they're really trying to do is sabotage their opponents. And by that, by opponents, I mean their corporate opponents. So it's kind of like uh, espionage at a supervillain level. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. See, I'm drawn to winged characters. I can't help it. And I perceived that he had wings. And so I was, I was attracted to the character. And I like the design of him, too. I like all that. Cause now, who, who did the design work on these characters, including uh, the Siamese uh, girls? The Siamese girls come from an artist in New Zealand, a Sai Lin is his name. He works for a company that's kind of a competitor, Amazon, called Mighty Ape in Australia. And that's where I found him. And he, he was drawing their marketing and advertising pieces. And wow, he does a great job in characters. He gave me permission to use a couple that he had really just done as doodles. In fact, in Toro Tales number one, which you mentioned, you may remember the character Bot 42. Mm-hmm. That was just one of his robotic doodles. And I asked him, hey, would you be all right if I use that as the, the archetype for one of my characters? And he, he was, yeah, that's great. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. So. Very cool. Very, very good. Now, um, let's just say that the Siamese girls are also, let's say, outstanding, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to be honest. You'll find that's true for a few of the characters, but but let me be upfront and also tell you that my, my characters will run the gamut of, of races and uh, body types and um, genders. I'm, I'm going to try to be very diverse. A lot of my characters will be people of color. And, you know, I did, it just so happens that the three we've talked about so far are pretty <laughs> home. But the, the girls in Siamese, they're both uh, Chinese. Yeah, that's true. Now, one of the things about the, the Siamese is they're based on Siamese cats, is, is the, as I understand it. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they, they even say the line from the Disney movie. <laughs> we are Siamese, they say, and I'm always kind of. I hear the music, and I hear the the little cat singing when I hear them say that. Perfect. So I, That's what I was going for. <laughs> okay, because I, I just don't just don't don't let Disney come after you for that. That's all I ask. Because <laughs> D- Disney is notorious for going after people who sort of borrow their stuff, and so they, I, I. They are a little trigger happy with litigation, yes. So you got to be careful not to put the whole song in there or anything. So we never said that or anything like that. So that's it. So th- it's interesting because one of the things about female characters and cats, you know, it's rare that a male character is a cat. It tends to be the female ones are cats. Was there a reason why you went that route? Um, basically it was because I wanted them to be twins. I wanted them to have sort of a, a special bond. And, and oftentimes you, you don't hear about male twins having that kind of the same bond that sisters do. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to go with that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cause I'm one of a pair of identical twins. Are you? Yeah, I am. And it's interesting when I went to college, the, the, the PE teacher, he had gotten, uh, intimidated, shall we say, by a pair of twins when he was growing up. So he's forever asking us to, to box with them. And I said, you must be crazy. I am never going to box with the PE teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that he would try to project that way. <laughs> yeah, I said, look, I said, you're going to have to find that guy, or these old guys, and do that with them, not us. We're not going to get involved with that. But it, it is interesting to me that they, they're... Again, the, the twin thing, you're right in that it's kind of mysterious, that link. Was that something you were exploring? 
Yeah, one of the things I wanted to do with that, too, is you may have noticed that they always speak in the plural. Mm-hmm. They, they don't say I, they always say we. <laughs> and, you know, that drives people crazy. <laughs> it does. And in, in some cases in the stories, I hope to um, portray that as well, mm-hmm. that, that, that they, they use that to confuse sometimes. Well, and not everybody understands there's two of them either as we go through the story, which I found interesting too because it's the way with twins. When people meet you individually and then suddenly they discover you're a twin, they might remember your name until they discover you have a twin and then they never can remember your name after that. (laughs) That's the way it's always been with me. So I, I, I was fascinated to see their experience and how they did things and, and the way that they moved. And, and it's interesting. The one thing I didn't see that I was kind of curious about, and I'm sure it's something you might explore, is we see a lot of the similarities between the two of them. But I thought the difference is because, you know, my brother and I were always looking for differences. His favorite color is red and mine is blue. His favorite superhero is Superman and mine is Batman. So we were always different in that way. But these two... They tend to relish the similarities. They do, but I also do try to um, point out the differentiation. For example, um, the one who's a racier of the two has the black tail. Mm-hmm. And the older, more responsible and older, like she's maybe a couple minutes older, but she takes the role of the big sister and she's the one with the white tail. They're both sort of in a creative endeavor as far as their careers go, architecture and sculpture. Mm-hmm. The one is uh, seems to be more on the creative side than the other, if you will. One has to be a lot more structured and follow rules, whereas the sculptor can do what they feel is um, the, ne- the next right. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they consider themselves superheroes, right? They do. They relish that idea. They think it's going to be fun. And for the first, the first three issues of it, I think they find that it is fun, and then things start to go sideways. Oops. Uh, yeah, I always hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be fun to watch, read that as they go along. I. I have this thing, and anybody who's listening to this podcast knows what I'm going to say next, is I am strongly drawn to female lead characters. I just think that male characters in the lead particularly have been explored for decades. I don't think there's much left to do, but I think when it comes to female lead characters, there's all this unexplored territory, and I think you're doing some of that exploration, which is great fun for me. That's one of the things I loved about the book. What you'll really like then about Trident's New Alliance, when it comes together as a team, there will be 11 members in this team, and only three of them are male. Hmm. And the leader of the team will be Deanna Hammer of the Angels. Interesting. Yeah, I ask this all the time, and people always said it just worked that way. Why did you choose to go that route? Or was it the story just presented itself that way? Because uh, I'm always interested as to why now, let's say you're writing, and suddenly now... As opposed to like decades past where there always was a male lead. Now you have female leads. Why is that? I mean, what is it about today and your writing and, and female characters that, that brought that out in you? Well, I don't want to overdo it because I'm sort of seeing that being done by one of the big two. But um, I really wanted to show that they are strong, that they can be leaders. And it isn't that it just sort of fell into this. This is intentional. It's because I, I wanted to uh, – my favorite character is Marvel's She-Hulk, and that's basically been through the years because of her um, – not just her brawn and her sex appeal, but because of how intelligent she is. They portray her as a, a very successful and intelligent lawyer, and I loved the, the combination of those things to show that she's strong, she's independent, she can take care of herself. And Because I was drawn to that character, I thought that's a good archetype for a lot of different characters as well. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you. Female lead characters are unexplored, in my opinion, and I, I think you're going to have a great opportunity to go where where female leads haven't gone before, and I think that's going to be great fun to read. I think it's going to be fun to see what you do. It's a lot of fun to, to write and to publish these. I mean, even if Marvel never does call me up, I'm having a great time with it, and I'm hoping that's being reflected in the work. <laughs> well, i got to ask, of course, do you get any response from, say, female readers? Um, uh, not as of yet. No, um, I'm, I'm hoping to soon. Uh, the a lot of the staff are female, so um, they're having great fun putting these together and appreciating the work that we're doing. Cool, because you know, I, I, again, I, I just think this is something that we need to see more of. You know, there are uh, men are scoundrels and scientists and you name it. Lead characters have always been all along those lines, and women have always been Lois Lane. And stuff like that, and the damsel I, in distress. Yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so tired of that. That's why when I see your characters, they're different. I love to read what they're doing because it's very unique and very um, uh, forward thinking. Oh, I appreciate that. That's the intent, and um, it's great to hear you say that. That's what I'm going for. Boy, I, I just love. It. I can't wait to see this other stuff. So uh, I'm just going to be. It's going to be fun to see what what they do. I just can't. Now, of course, we've talked about. You said Siamese Two is coming. Uh, and granted, indie comics, you know, it'll be out when it's good and ready, and that we'll be ready for it at that time. We'll, we'll be glad to wait because it's good quality. Do you have an idea when you're aiming for that to come out? Well, I can tell you right now, Wayne, that Siamese 1 through 4 are all available on our site. The first four issues of that miniseries, is, it's a four-issue miniseries, so that's complete. Um, that leads into Deanna Hammer of the Angels number 1. Guess where I'm going after this? I'm going to go and get those things because I'm going to be fascinated to see what you do with it. Really looks awesome. Good so it's good things. Now, now, let's move on to the other one that you sent my way. And there's a, you talked about, we talked about anthologies and stuff like that. Toro Tales, we didn't get too much into it. I want to explore them a little more. Okay. As far as, you know, you talked about Bot 42, which is the first one. Um, but again, I, 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 as female characters being what they are, I want to explore the, the, the second group. The second story is called H2O, and it has to do with two female leads of course this is one of the things that draws me to it and they're kind of like mutants or something talk about who these characters are and what the story's about okay that was written by a lucinda genuries and um she she really has a fascination for mythological characters so that's why she made them mermaids if you will and um the thing is they're mutants so uh, race which i'm setting up they don't have the ability that these two in particular do. So it's um, the, they find out that they're not only different from the surface dwellers, but they're also different from the other aquatics. Interesting. Now, they're, they're two different colors. You know, one of the things you can see right away is one has like a, a yellowish skin and the other one is a little more, I don't know what you want to call it, human-like or something like that. So there's very different. It's not because they have, you know, one's like a hydrogen and one's like oxygen. Oh, Just that's a good analogy. So I thought that was how that works. So this is an introduction to them. And I kind of, uh, that, that was, of course, you know, like I said, female characters are always going to get me every time. And I was really fascinated by the story of that. It's interesting that this one was the one that you didn't write. And, you know, I, I, you, I like your writing. That's the thing I like about it. But the female characters got me. You know, I'm going to always be drawn to that. Okay. So that, that was, that's what made those stand out. The other ones are good stories. I mean, we talked about Bot 42, which I thought was a, a, a very good. I, I'm also interested in, in technology and, and robots and things like that. So that story really got me. I like that. I thought that was a good one. And let's talk about the, the next one after that is called Lone Shark. 
This is yeah. another, another. Is this another aquatic character? He is another aquatic. He's from another, I'll call it, tribe of aquatics. So he and H2O haven't met, but they will in the future. They're going to be part of a different super team, and they're going to butt heads. That they're they're from different uh, factions that don't get along. Hmm. And Lone Shark, so everybody knows, it's not L O A N. It's Lone, like Lone Wolf kind of thing. Yeah, that's going to be good. So talk about who the character is and, and what makes him different from the other two. What's different about Lone Shark is he is of uh, he's a descendant of a, a council person in his uh, area of the ocean, and he therefore feels that he's got certain rights that matter than everyone else. He's very haughty and, I don't know, arrogant, I guess is the word for it. And um, he's going to be that way for a while, but of course – Life teaches lessons, and he's going to experience some. Interesting, interesting. So that's going to be good to see about that. Now, one of the things that really attracts me to this whole business is that, uh, you know, with Aquaman and Namor and things like that, people don't – the big companies tend to avoid aquatic characters. And here you are with two sets of them, you know, which I find interesting because, you know, most of the planet – is covered with water and so you'd think that there would be more development along these lines so i was really drawn to the fact that you did go these routes with the with, with two sets that were actually in the oceanic parts of the of the world I, i'm glad you hit on the fact that the ocean are, the oceans cover most of the planet you're right that that seems to me that um they would be more involved in, in more stories you can see why the big two try to avoid it because you know it, it sort of limits your uh, character's ability if they're out of the water. Um, but I'm going to explore quite a bit under the water. I'm fascinated with the undersea world, so I think that should help. So is Lucinda going to be involved with that too, or are you kind of taking over that? Uh, as I understand it, she's writing uh, the second chapter of H2O as we speak. Very cool. See, I want to see that now. Well, of course, that leads to the next question. But before I get to that, let's talk about the the other one. It's one called Sparrow. And it's called the origin chapter. And talk about who Sparrow is. Sparrow is a very brief origin chapter. I wanted to get the character out there because I, I got excited when I came up with the character. Thought she was a lot of fun. She's going to be very whimsical. She is a kleptomaniac, as a matter of fact. She's very wealthy, doesn't need to steal. She does it for fun, the thrill, the challenge, the chase. She expresses that just basically to herself at her apartment. She's like, I'm bored. I, this is no challenge. And a, uh, a djinn, which most people call genie, appears and says, hey, you want a challenge? You know what? Let's up your game. Let's raise your level and turn you into Sparrow. And the idea with Sparrow is that she is uh, uncatchable. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I don't want to ask too much about that because I might spoil the story. But uh, I'm going to be fascinated to see that. I mean, because I read it, but I'm still a little interested as to where this is going to go. Because, you know, if, if she's uncatchable, isn't that going to be uh, lose its lure after a while? I think that after a while it might, unless things change or unless the heroes trying to catch her get more clever. Okay, so there's a challenge involved. Okay. That's right. Okay, that's good. That's going to be good. Again, female lead. You know, you know me and female lead. I'm going to go on to it. I'm going to be really good. So this is the the very first book to that. Now, the art is you have, uh, let's see. Well, one of the books, one of the, 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 the one with Lone Shark, doesn't, it doesn't list who the artist is. Do you remember who that is? Oh, I'd have to pull that up to tell you. I'm okay, sorry. Well, that's all right. We can. It doesn't say it in there, but that's all right. We can. We'll probably find it out. But you've got different artists doing different parts. Interesting. Lucinda does color on 
that story as well as the writing. That's right. Yeah, she's uh, in fact that's her first passion is a colorist, and um, she just happened to ask me one time as she was coloring some of my work. She said, um, "Hey, would you be willing to take a look at some of my writing?" And I said, "Oh, always. Yeah. What have you got?" And that's when she came up with the characters for H2O. And by the way, H2O is Halia and Andine. And those two characters are mythological characters, are aquatic in nature. They're goddesses. Really? Yeah, that's, I, I, I don't remember that from the story, but I, I don't know if I overlooked it or what. Was that in the story, or is that something that you're, that's a little additional that we're going to see going forward? Their names are mentioned, but then the creation of their names or you know how they got named will be coming up. Okay, good. So that'll be fun to do that. Now, I've got to ask, of course, it's called Toro Tales. Why is it called Toro Tales? Toro is the stone lantern that you see often in in Japanese uh, agriculture, not agriculture, architecture, sorry. Um, and those Toros are, in my opinion, beautiful. They can be varied in their size and shape, but they always seem to have that swooping roof theme going. And it's part of the Dojo-kun logo. So it's like a, a storytelling device. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Very cool. Okay, that, that's going to be fun to do. Now, as far as Toro Tales goes, um, you talked about there's other chapters of some of these characters. Are some of them coming back? Are all of them coming back? Are you kind of picking and choosing? How is that going to move forward? I'm picking and choosing. Bot 42, Chapter 2, will be in Toro Tales number 2. The other three are taking a hiatus as there's a lot more stories coming up. There's going to be um, nine stories in Toro Tales number 2. And as I mentioned before, it'll be over 100 pages. Wow. I mean, I mean, why go that route instead of like dividing it up into a couple different issues? Uh, I think mostly it's because I want to get it all out there. Um, the sooner you get your characters out there, the sooner they become yours, if you will. And um, there is uh, one story that's called The Next World that's coming up. And it's another sci-fi one, so it may interest you. Mm-hmm. Um it's a group of folks who are trying to return from the Mars colony, and things go awry on their return back to Earth. Hmm. Okay, so uh, what's the de- uh, the expected release date for Toro Tales 2? <laughs> oh boy. As you alluded to before, when it's, when it's an indie comic company like this, and all of the creative staff is paid out of my pocket, it's going to be a slow go. Okay. But um, we are making great progress, and boy, I hope it's by the end of the year. It'll be worth the wait, though, because these ones are fun to read, I have to say. There are lots of interesting characters and interesting twists and stuff along the way, which I really like. Uh, I like to be surprised. I've been reading for a long time, reading comics in particular. And if you can surprise me, that's a good thing. And, and your stuff really surprises me. So I like Oh, that's that. great to hear. It's really hard to do that anymore as characters have been around since the 1940s to come up with something new. Uh, you know, people said when they looked at Siamese, a lot of them basically said, oh, so it's Catwoman twice. I'm like, well... Although they're co- they're costumes, uh, I can see why you'd say that in the similarities. It is sort of the same character archetype, but I'd really hope that I take the characterization in a new route, and you're not just reading those stories again. Yeah, it's not just Catwoman. It, it's a it, it's an extension of the Catwoman mythology and going a different direction. Yes, I, I really hope to make them uh, very different characters, despite their physical appearance being similar. Yeah. Well, well. Again, the twin thing is going to. <laughs> some people won't understand it let's be honest with you it, it's you talk about mythological it's going to be mystical people are good, don't get the twin connection stuff so for them that's going to be uh, it's going to make those characters for me it's going to be I, I can relate to them yeah that's great to hear 
I understand <laughs> them, and I, I see when they do things, I get, okay, I get that, I get that. Because there was one time when my I was standing by the telephone, and I reached for it, and it hadn't rung. I thought, that's silly. Why did I go for the phone? And all of a sudden, the phone rang. It was my brother. <laughs> that's exactly the kind of thing I want to tap into, yes. That's the kind that's stuff that drives people nuts. And I and you know, the truth of the matter is is I'm used to it now because I I people ask me what's it like to be a twin and I always ask what's it like not to be? I don't know <laughs> what that is. So that'd be fun to explore that kind of stuff and see what them you know, the the it reminds me of there was an actor who was a, one of a pair of twins and the one of the twins was killed in an auto accident and it changed him dramatically because suddenly he didn't have his brother around, which he was used to all of his life. And it was kind of interesting to watch him. He didn't really succeed in acting after that. It, it kind of, his life took a very different turn because he wasn't used to, he had to re-educate himself how to live. It changed his identity. Yeah, very much so. And so I, I'm always interested in that. So that's, I'm interested to see how these two do, especially I'm interested in female twins. I, I met a pair of female twins when I went to college. And the bad news was one was named Maureen and one was named Marion. And sometimes even I couldn't tell which one it was. And I would go, hi, Marine, how are you? you know? <laughs> I didn't want them to know I couldn't tell which one it was. So, But it, it's really interesting. But twins, are there's this magical thing about it that not everybody gets. But it'll be fun to see how you explore that. I'm going to really be interested to see that. Well, then, uh, based on the fact that you're reading, I hope I do a good job with it. <laughs> well, it looks good. I enjoyed the first one. I'm not going to go after those other ones. I'm going to be dying to see what you did with the, the other chapters that are out. So those will be good. Great. I appreciate it. Now, we've talked about them, and, and you get those, again, through your website, largely. Yes, you can click on any of the covers that you'll find on my website, and it'll take you to an opportunity to do print-to-order through Amazon. Cool, so that's good stuff. So, um, all right, let, let's talk about other projects. What can you tell us about at this point? You know, again, I don't want to... I don't want to make things that are in the process that you really shouldn't talk about, get people's hopes up, and then they don't show up for a while. What do you feel comfortable talking about as far as what else you guys are working on? Well, we have uh, we have several other titles that are out there. One is called Alliances, and that is my attempt to bring about a book a lot like Brave and the Bold, DC Comics Presents, and Marvel Team Up. And what I mean by that is there will be a single host, and that will be Breathtaker, who will be in the comic each I wish I could say each month, but it'll be each issue, and there will be another of the uh, Dojo Kun characters who kind of co-stars with her. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many issues you're going to do with that? Um, I'm hoping it'll be ongoing right now. Number one is available at the website. It's called uh, Dojo Kun Comics Presents Alliances, starring Breathtaker and Sovereign. I got to ask you something before you go on any more about this. Do you have any like digital versions? Do you go through Comixology or any of those things? I'm uh, working with Indie Planet to do print, but to answer your question about Comixology, I am trying to get with them in order to make it available digitally, yes, because I know that's sort of the wave of the future. A lot of people are, are doing that. It's not my thing, but I know that a lot of people like it, so I, I want to make sure I get it out there and available for folks. Yeah, the, the reason why I asked that is because I've started to collect a stack of books, that, and some of them I have not yet read. And I am interested in – it's easier for me to put some stuff on my hard drive than it is for me to add to that stack and make it taller than I am. And so what I really want to do – sometimes I'm really interested. It's also immediacy. I can see something. I can buy it. I can download it, and I can read it. 
you know, instead of waiting for the print version to come, which, you know, it, it, your stuff's, I'm sure, going to be worth the wait. I'm not worried about that. But there's just sometimes when I, I, I've got a little extra spending money and I'm going, hmm, I'd really like to see that. And I, I, I always like to say comicsology is like a comic shop in the sense that you get the same amount of space your book does as Action Comics does. So in that sense, now it's not a big money maker, but it does help get the word out. It does help get some, draw some people into it. So that that's the only reason I ask about those reasons are the ones I, I'm interested. And of course, that would all be very appreciated. And I'm glad that you explained that as as one of the reasons that you go for digital. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, just the immediacy is you know in, in this age. You know, uh, like I used to work at the Washington Post years ago, and you know we, we used to have I used to proofread, and they don't have proofreaders anymore because it's uh, what they could say immediacy over accuracy now is the thing with that. But that's wow. spill, yeah, oh yeah, don't don't worry. I, I, a lot of us <laughs> wretch about that stuff. I when I look at the Post stuff and I go, oh my gosh, they spelled refrigerator wrong and stuff like that. But the thing of it is, is on the other hand. We're so used to getting things right away. If I see something I'm interested, I don't have to wait for it. I click it and you know I buy it, and there it is in front of me. And I think that's one of the things. I think your your comics will kind of benefit from that. I really do because there's a lot of really creative stuff going on, and I'd like to see some of this. You know, I, I I'm happy to order the the print version, but I I think that if I could one encouragement I could give you would be I would say, you know, consider the digital route. My, my suggestion. I appreciate that. There's one other project I wanted to talk about, and unfortunately, as you alluded to, I needed to be a little. I need to be a little vague because it's okay. still it's still in negotiations, if you will. Oh. But there is a uh, a trilogy, a novel trilogy written by uh, she's uh, I'd say a young adult author, and although I'm certainly not a young adult, I really liked the trilogy, and I reached out to the author and asked for permission to turn it in and make a comic book adaptation of it. And so we are in negotiations for that right now. I think that'll be a big project and uh, exciting. Uh, if this comes to pass, I think it'll be great for both of us, really. It'll uh, rekindle interest in her novels, I believe, if I can really get the word out there. For each of the three novels, create a five-issue miniseries. Hmm. You know, I have to say that's a, a very wise idea, particularly in the climate that's going on right now. I, I think it's—I always get it mixed up. It's Dog Boy or Dog Man, and I always get the—I say the wrong one. But there's a series of like, uh, like children's graphic novels to young adult graphic novels. There's a series on dragons I'm in the middle of reading right now. And what's interesting to me, and it was like uh, a Hilo was done by Jed Winnick, and there's that is really catching on there are a lot of those books that are selling well i mean if you go to like the target and stuff like that you'll see a whole section for that stuff and uh, uh you know dc of course has, has jumped on the bandwagon and they're doing on a very regular basis these young adult ones they had one dick grayson recently recently came out the one on mirror i particularly liked but there's all these young adult things going on and i just think Number on, for a couple of reasons, I really like it. it. You know, I think you're right. This is a, you know, some writing that could use some more exposure. But on the other hand, you might draw some younger readers in that might translate into comics people. Exactly. If you can draw them in as a young uh, adult and they really love the genre, they could intent, you know, they could become uh, adult comic book fans for decades. Yep, super smart. I really think you're you're making a lot of smart moves. I think there, Brian. I think that's good stuff. And you know, I hope more people get to to 
get into your books and find out and do them. Uh, Dojo Kun Comics again. And on Facebook, you can find them. And you have a website. I think you just say Dojo Kun Comics. I think people will be able to find it. I believe so, yes. And there's all kinds of really interesting and creative stuff going on there. And I just, I love indie books because you can do things that regular books. I mean, I, I say this every time, but it's true. Batman has to return where he started so that somebody else can pick it up and do it. But you can have character development. You can make things happen and develop along there and move in different directions because you're not obligated to do that. And so I, I never know what you're going to do. All, all bets are off when you're writing, and I think that's a good thing. That's that's much more fascinating for me than, than – as much as I love Batman, Batman's my guy, I really want to see other stuff that's more creative and different and unexpected. And I think your books really scratch that itch really well for me. I appreciate that. Yes, what we're trying to do, of course, because these characters are our own – we can take them down any route we'd like. Now, how about, uh, dare I ask, animation? Oh, my. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But, yeah, I think that's a few years down the road. Okay, because I'd like to see some of these characters lend themselves very strongly to animated characters, especially given, like, with Netflix and what they're all doing with animation stuff. I could see some of these very easily on the Netflix screens. So if Netflix is out there listening, and we always hope they are, uh, you might want to look into these guys because they've got a lot of creative stuff going on here. And I've got at least three artists that we got in a fantastic fashion. Okay. That'd be good to see. So, I, again, it's it's good. It's Dojo Kun Comics. And, Brian, I think you're doing great stuff. I really am glad that you reached out to me and uh, you know brought it to my attention because I, there's so much out there, I think, that's really quality stuff. Your stuff really tickles my, my imagination and makes me want to read more. You know, I, I like to highlight the good stuff, and I, that's why I think yours is. Yours is really the, the, the material I think that I, I, the imagination is going to spark, and we're going to get to see a lot of good storytelling that I've never read before. And for somebody like me, that, that's a, a real find. I'm grateful that you say that, and I really appreciate you having me on the, your podcast. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Please be back next time when I'll be speaking with another great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.